Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So about Michael Jordan, <laughs> how you going to hit from outside the finals? You can't even get in. Welcome to the Basketball Addicts Podcast. My name is Jason Collins. And I'm Christopher Mohammed. All right. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the role players in the NBA and the older role players that we think were great in the NBA and the importance of role players. Role players are very important um, (laughs) because without role players... You don't necessarily have a team, okay? So you may have the scrubs, of course. You're going to have those people who ride the bench. Yes. And you have the stars. But the role players are the people on the team who take who do the dirty work. They're like the Joe Kim Noahs, the Rondos, and the Ben Wallaces of the NBA. The Manu Ginobili's. The six men of the years of the NBA. Teaser there. All right. So we're going to go into the first of the news and notes section of our podcast we're going to do this when we talk about bigger topics like role players. We're going to still keep you updated on news and notes from the week and give you our takes on it. All right. Mr. Russell Westbrook, record-breaking. First person to have 35 points, 20 assists, in a triple-double in the NBA history. That's amazing. When you talk Russell Westbrook, you think triple doubles. Yes. That's for sure. He's become synonymous with that with triple doubles with 11 11 11 on when Nipsey passed away. Like that's big, you know, like and then the 35 what was it again? 35 with 20 assists and he had to have 10 rebounds. I don't know. It was over 10 rebounds. That's just amazing. <laughs> just think of how athletic the guards are in the modern NBA. Mm-hmm. Like for Oscar Roberson to be able to do that is one thing, but now we have an even more athletic and a more skilled guard that's not just passing the ball, that's scoring, that can uh, distribute, that can run the floor. I mean, like he's a one-man fast break. Like we think of LeBron when we think one-man fast break, but Russell Westbrook is also a one-man fast break. He can get up and down the floor in a limit in like no time at all. Yes, that's so true, and. I honestly, I have a dirty, dear, dirty secret with Russell Westbrook. I used to, oh behave. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a Russell Westbrook hater, a little bit. What? Yep. Yeah, How could you hate that man? I, How could you hate him? I used to think that like his passing stats were not indicative to how good of a passer he was. That's that's where it stemmed uh. from. I used okay. to be at the mindset that I don't care how many assists he has, he's not better than Chris Paul. I don't care how many assists he has, he's not better than, you know, 
LeBron James, not better than Ben Simmons. He's not better than a Shea Gilgis. Not a not a Steve Nash. Oh, I know you love Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> you said he's not better than Ben Simmons. <laughs> Please don't say that. As a passer. Please. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> but don't say that because Ben Simmons can't even make a layup to save his life half the time. And that's the only way he scores. Yeah. But go ahead. I'm stepping off my soapbox on that one. But so Russell Westbrook, go ahead. I've, I don't know if I've come to the dark side or come to the light side, but I am now a Russell Westbrook supporter on the complete opposite side. I think now that his assists and the way he creates open shots for everybody else. I mean, what's better? You making a good pass to the center who's guarded or making a good pass to the the guard that's right next to you and making smart basketball decisions or passing to a wide open guy in the corner because the defense had the help to stop Russell Westbrook from scoring a layup. I mean, why does he get yeah. so many free open assists? It's because he... You can't guard him at the rim. There's no point guard in the league that can guard him. He gets downhill, and then you have a decision. It's either the wide open guy in the corner, or it's the free layup. I mean, how is that's a better shot than, oh, you made an entry pass to the big. Oh, you made a nice pass to the wing. You made a nice pass of the guy coming off the, the pin down screen. Like, I honestly feel like you can have a debate either way, but I feel like Russell Westbrook in my opinion, is a solidified top 25 player of all time. I really... And I would agree. Yes. I And I, I honestly, I disagree with the sentiment that he can't win championships. Ooh. If you put that MVP season, Russell Westbrook, and you take yeah. off the man you hate most in the world, Ben Simmons, off that Philadelphia 76ers team, you still get the Ben uh-huh. Simmons ability to push in transition. You still get the Ben yeah. Simmons ability to put uh, pressure on the basket. You get now the the drive and kick aspect. You get a better shooter for mid-range, and you get an elite defender, which Ben Simmons is a better defender, but I'll give him that. But Russell Westbrook would lead to that Philadelphia 76ers team to being better than what they are currently. With all those shooters... So I feel like if he was on a situation like that with a guy who was dominant in the half court so he can do his thing and transition, that'd be perfect. I think so as well. Um, I think the problem in Houston was that you had two ball-dominant guys, yes. and that's what we all thought the problem was going to be. But that was legit the problem because if Russell Westbrook was on that team with just like the amount of shooters that they had on the team, yes. you know what I mean, and just the 3 and D guys, that team would have flourished. No question. Yes. Because that was the only thing that was missing to OKC was that it was just Russell Westbrook and their second best player was Steven Adams. <laughs> so and true. at one point they had Victor Oladipo. <laughs> like that's literally the worst problem. That was the problem with OKC. Because when it was OKC and Kevin Durant, it was like, okay, this can kind of work, but it's not the best situation. Yes. But when he's on a team where he can drive and kick, because he's gonna automatically attract all the attention. Yes. Because he's Russell Westbrook. You know he's coming downhill. If you ha- like you said, you have a choice to make. It's either the wide open three or get dunked on, and nobody wants to be on a poster. Yes. But a lot of people end up on posters. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just like you have to make that decision. So if you put him on a team and you surround him by J- by a JJ Redick around a um these other like key role JJ Redick is a key role player a key role player on every team he plays on he shooters like that you just surround him by shooters Mm -hmm. 
and let him go to work, he's going to take you to the promised land. And I will agree with that. He, he does play a winning style of basketball, but only in certain situations and certain systems. He's not for every system. He's not a systemless player. He's a system player. Yeah, it's too much for him to be the guy that's leading and scoring. He needs another alpha, alpha male that's going to have the alpha, offense build around him. Like when he had Paul George... He would. The, the offense was not built around Paul George. The offense was still built around Russell Westbrook. Like he is the perfect number two that leads to championships. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't view the KD and Russell Westbrook thing as a failure. I mean, they had the seventy three nine Golden State Warriors down three one in the Western Conference Finals. Like those teams were always competitive, always, and so I. I don't view it like that. You know I love Kevin Durant, so I feel like he... Yeah. So I feel like he did a little more than Russell Westbrook to commit to that winning. In that series, he did. You're right. Yeah. I will agree with you with that because Russell Westbrook did shoot them out of the finals. Mm-hmm. Like, legit. Yes. <laughs> they shot him out of, he shot him out of those games. He does have a weird tens- tendency to take like a bunch of shots in the playoffs. Too many. And it's just... He needs to be the number two guy. He wants to wear the super. He wants to take on the mantle of Batman when he's Robin. Yeah, but he'd be the best Robin in the game. Honestly, yes. Honestly, yes. Honestly, honestly, <laughs> honestly. Like if he could just get that through his head that he's not Batman, that he's Superman. I mean, that's not Superman, <laughs> but he's like Robin. Yes. Or you know what I mean? He does. He doesn't. He has his own comic, but it's like a spinoff of the original <laughs> comic. Like if he can understand that. <laughs> Be nice. He could he could have rings, not a ring, rings. Yes, I completely agree. All right, we can transition to the uh, Greek freak dropping forty seven points and twelve rebounds against the Portland Trailblazers. Didn't miss a shot. Run dunk, duck run, run run dunk, jump dunk run. <laughs> you ready for this? I'm listening. He did not run dunk and jump jump and dunk run dunk. Yosef, that's his specialty. How did he not do that? Yosef Nurchik was playing at the rim. He was daring him to shoot, and he was hitting eighteen footers from the elbow consistently. And it's scary. I mean, he was wide the fuck open, (laughs) but (laughs) (laughs) you leave me wide open. I'm gonna make like eighteen shots. But he did it, bro. He was hitting that mid-range. He was like, dribbled the ball up the court, all the center's back, and hit it in, in motion right there. Oh, man. Of course. If nobody's playing defense, like, come on, that's, your, that's Nurkic's fault. <laughs> he dropped 47 on him. That's his fault. That's his fault. Yeah. I blame him. Because he's been run, jump, dunk. <laughs> jump, run, dunk. All right. We can... uh. Tra- transition to Devin Booker dropping forty five and four and four. That's believable. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Devin Booker is so cold. I love Devin Booker. Oh my gosh! Ice in his veins. <laughs> I'm so glad you we brought up in the pa- pa- uh, past podcast about how much he looks like Kobe Bryant. Like he's a less athletic version of of Kobe, really. I mean, he's like, Devin Booker can barely jump. I, it's really bad. But the two <laughs> can just get buckets. Yeah, like, you don't need to jump if you could just shoot and, like, cross everybody up. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't really... 
I think that another player in the NBA that does play similar to Kobe would be Jason Tatum. He has like that. He has like a hybrid game a little bit, though. I would see like mellow Kobe, like kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love the way Jason Tatum plays. Two years from now, he could be a top five player in the league, legitimately. I'll give you that. <clears throat> All right, now we're going to Jason's favorite. James Harden dropped thirty-eight, eleven, and thirteen. Christopher Muhammad. <laughs> How many free throws? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> how many free throws? I want to know. <laughs> I want to know. How, how many free throws? Uh, let's see. James Harden. <laughs> Tally his flops, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. 2,400,022. Tally his flops. <clears throat> Let's see here. Thirty-eight. He did it against the Timberwolves. Ah, come on. <laughs> you know the Timberwolves can't play defense to save their life. Very true. That's because they're all undersized. Yes. <laughs> the tallest person in the court is Cat. <laughs> <laughs> the next tallest is like Jared Culver. No. It won't let me see how many free throws he made. I don't know why. Ah. I'll just take a guess. He had like 15 free throws. It was fine. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But I mean, again, I you know I know you hate him more than me, and I I know I love him <laughs> way more than him. most people love James Harden. I I really think he just brings. I mean, there, there's what else can he do offensively? Flop. <laughs> I mean, like with his size and his skill set. There's literally no part of like he has a mid-range game, an ISO game, a step-back game. He can finish at the rim. He has a floater game. He has a pick and roll game. He has a <laughs> passing game, and it's just like I was about to say that. Yeah, he, he's just like he's literally perfect offensively. He's just not honestly. But- yeah, there's like nothing that he doesn't do well. It's ridiculous. He's never played defense. Yeah, that's true. It's because his shoulders get really okay. tired of carrying the offense. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> the uh, Did you hear the news and the chatter? Yeah, I'm listening. Of LeBron James supposedly tried to recruit Steph Curry a little bit at the All-Star game. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard about that. So, like, a, a, like reports say is that LeBron has been recruiting Steph Curry since the All Star break, and like, I wouldn't mind seeing that team. I mean, like, yes, LeBron deserves to have another player on his team besides Anthony Davis. Look who he's going against. Yes. He's thirty six. Yes, he's thirty six. <laughs> year he's in year seventeen, and he's thirty six. Yes, <laughs> he's, he deserves to have a Steph Curry on his team. He's allowed that. When he's going against Kyrie, James Harden, and and Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. plus their key role players like Joe Harris, he deserves that. He has KCP. KCP one time went a whole game without scoring. He's running around <laughs> and fouling, running around and fouling. Please give this man somebody. I swear to God, Adam Silver. <laughs> if you like, they don't have enough money, but somehow Brooklyn's digging money out of their ass. Like, come on, bro. Steph Curry to the Lakers. 
see, at first I thought Steph Curry's a lifetime Laker. No chance. I mean, like the lifetime warrior. No chance. They still have a good team. They've lost sure. like four out of five last games since he's been back. He's been dropping around 30 to 35 points like three of those games. I, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Clay Thompson's going off two extremely hard to come back from injuries. He hasn't been on the court in like two years. I mean, no KD. Draymond Green's older. Their bench isn't as good. I can tell that he's annoyed with all those young kids who don't know how to play defense. <laughs> Honestly. <clears throat> I can't believe I'm about to say it. I could see it happening. It's it's crazy, but it 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 actually makes sense. If the Lakers can pull it off, they'll be the greatest franchise in NBA history. Yeah, and without a doubt, and you were without a doubt, you were completely right. Like, I don't think there's a soul that likes basketball that would not watch the NBA Finals between Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving versus. Steph Curry, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. They would literally, it would literally be a worldwide global event. That's box office right there. You <laughs> might have to pay pay per view for that. That's a once in a million. That's a once in a million type of thing. Yes. So I kind of hope it happens. Yeah. Knock on, knock on wood. For sure, I, I I'm not going to look for sure. Yeah. I definitely hope that happens. Like, LeBron is 36. Mm-hmm. Do I need to reiterate? 36. Steph Curry's probably like 32, 33. True, but he has a, he has a less um, physical game that he plays mm-hmm. than LeBron does. Yes. LeBron has to get in there. Still dunk Literally get in there. He has, to get, he has to put his body in there and take all the little elbows and little slaps to the knees and stuff like that. Yeah. Curry just stands like at half court and watches a three, turns around <laughs> and watches the go- and then goes in and he runs back down the court. That's all he does. He's ridiculous, bro. But ridiculous. Think about think about the legacy though. The legacy of the Lakers. Not really meaning to go into this right now. But when LeBron retires, if he does get Steph Curry, that Lakers team will continue to win championships with Steph and A D. Yes. Without a doubt. I really hope he's healthy so he can go to his 11th finals this year and lose again. He's going to be 4 and 7. <laughs> I really feel it. Like <laughs> I hate that. I hate that so much. Adam Silver. Adam freaking Silver. David Stern would never. RIP. All right. So we're going to let's uh we already introed the importance of role guys. So we can head to who I wanted to talk about, Bill Russell. The reason why I Ooh. wanted to talk about Bill Russell is I know that he is... A lot of people have him in the top 10 all-time players. A lot of people have him top 15, top 20. What I mean by role player is that if you don't really know or watched him play or looked at any of his old tapes... The guy would score around 20 points a game. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> John Havlicek was probably a more gifted scorer of the basketball than Bill Russell. Mm-hmm. So, 
what I mean by role player is of those 11 championships he went to and 11 rings he has, I actually think he went to 12 because he lost to Will Chamberlain once. Um, out of those 11, yeah, yeah, too, yeah. 11 rings he has, he was the leader, like the the mental leader of the team, the the people, the person who everybody believed in. He was an extremely great defender that was great for a team that had so much talent and gave him an edge. And he also was a great passer and did all the little things that led to winning. That's all I'm going with with this point. I understand why people may not want to listen to it when we're talking about role players, but I really feel like the importance and the little things he did that led to winning is so important that I wanted to bring him up And from that viewpoint. All right, Christopher, what do, what do you think? <laughs> For sure, I agree with that point. <clears throat> because I remember we had talked about it, you know, just me and you talking before and how gifted he was defensively. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's what a role player is. Role players are like, when you think a role player, the first person that should come to mind, at least for me, would be Trevor Ariza or like a P.J. Tucker. People who just, like in Bill Russell's, who just plays like, who does the, the little things that leads to winning mm-hmm. basketball. Yeah. Everybody's not a role player. It's, 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 but everybody can be a player on the court, but everybody's not a role player. Role players play roles. You know, you know Bill Russell... You mean you you know he was scoring about twenty something points a night. That's fine. But what he's known for is his defensive abilities. Yes. That's what he's known for. He's known for his IQ on the court defensively. That's what he's known for. That's what Dennis Rotman's are known for. These are role players. These are people who slide into roles and they play their role, which leads to winning basketball. Yeah. I completely agree with that sentiment. I'm so glad we brought him up. <clears throat> All right. Let's transition to uh six men. Okay. All right. The guys that we're thinking of here, Manu Ginobili, Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, the combo guards who just, they walk on the court and they're a walking bucket. Usually the benches are depleted extremely with offensive talent. So these guys usually carry that second unit like a Jordan Clarkson. And they usually get the ball, and it usually fits their skill set, and they're usually more offensively minded, not really as advantaged defensively. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's the way I want to start it. I know you have some stuff you want to say, and then I'll talk about some other stuff. Um, so far as it goes six-man, like when we think six-man and, the, and their role that they play, like if you look at a Lou Williams, like you know for a fact that – He's come off the bench and dropping twenty to twenty five points a night, mm-hmm. and that's so crazy that he's a six man that he's not starting because yes. it's just the offensive talent on the team is just so great. Especially when he was on the Clippers, there were so many players better than him who were who were already in his role. Like the person who played above him was Paul George. You go, who you want? In, who you want starting? Do you want Paul George starting or do you want Lou Will starting? You want Paul George starting. So when you think about that, and you put and then you make the you make you create the scenario, you know, Lou Will on a different team, which we get to see because he's on the Atlanta Hawks now. And you get, and now you think like, okay, now this is a twenty to twenty-five point per game score off the bench. Wonder what he can do when, what he can achieve if he was to start. Wonder what he could achieve if he had his own team, if he had a good coach who could <clears throat> put the ball in the hand and make the offense flow through him, because that's all he really wants. 
Yes. He's he's a star player, but just plays on the bench. But he sits on the bench because offense because the offensive talent on the team is just too great. Yeah. So you kind of sparked a point that I thought of the other day. I literally just had it come to me. So uh, my brain's going two different ways at one time. Okay. So let's say you put you remember that terrible team after LeBron left that had Baron Davis on it. <laughs> when we rightfully earned the number one pick, yeah, I remember. You put JJ Hicks in the Mario. <laughs> yeah, you put you put one of these guys, a Lou Williams, a Jamal Crawford, a Mono Ginobili, and you gave them that team. They would have dropped twenty nine to thirty a night, and that's the thing that I brought up to you earlier is that these guys have to feel robbed. A guy who drops 29 to 30 a night is getting max money. These role guys are getting less than 20 million a year. It's just, I I would feel robbed. You definitely have to feel robbed in that sense, but then you look at players like Manu Ginobili, like he is the epitome of a role player. Yes. If you look at his stats, and you can always find them on NBA.com, not that we're sponsored by them, but I just wanted to throw that in because I had recently did my research on there. He's he averaged thirteen point three points for his career. Mm-hmm. But when you think Manu Ginobili because of his star power, you automatically think like, oh my god, like this is like some enigma on the court. He was great. You know, he has to be dropping people, scoring buckets consistently. He dropped forty eight one night, but career wise, thirteen point three. He just slid into a role. He never overstepped or understepped. He did his job to perfection, and that's why they were able to be so effective. The Spurs were able to be effective for years and years and years and years and years, even in his old age, because he just did his job. Mm-hmm. That's so key to winning basketball is just doing your job. Your job is putting the ball in the hole, but it's bigger than that. It's the little things. It's playing defense. It's leading your team. It's leading the second unit because eventually the starters have to come out. So who's, so the second unit can't go out there and just run around in circles. Yeah. Someone has to lead that team mm-hmm. and has to get that team going. Yeah. That's a whole other team on the floor. It's a whole other identity that has to be created, that has to be nurtured, that has to be led. Yeah. You know, this is where my brain was going. An example that I was thinking of is somebody who could have been a sixth man, but now is getting max money. I'm listening. CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum is like 6'3, 6'4. He's yep. not a point guard. He's not one of those <clears throat> passers like that. He's a he's just a bucket getter. Yeah. He's the starting lineup. Right? But I mean, if he was coming yeah. off of the bench, he'd be a phenomenal sixth man. Right? And he could get lost and we would never realize how great CJ McCollum is. Yeah, that's true. That's very true, because Paired him with Dame is just the offensive power that they have together. But just put him into the role, like you said before, as a Lou Williams coming off the bench. He's gonna drop like twenty. To, he's gonna drop like twenty five, thirty points a night because he's just that great of an offensive talent. But then you just be you'll you'll think of him like Lou Williams. You never think of him in the conversation as the greatest backcourt. You'll think of him as like, oh my god, it's like the greatest person to come off a bench ever. Yeah, that's as, as like. But don't who wants to be thought of as the greatest person to come off the bench? Yes, nobody. Right. Nobody. Yeah. The greatest bench player ever. <laughs> what? <laughs> How many six men of the year awards do you want? <laughs> I mean, I bet it's I bet it's, it's better than I know it's better. Than, what, the six man of the year award is better than no awards. 
because it, it shows your you know that the team is deep and that you were able to lead a second unit, mm-hmm. which is cool. But don't you? But <clears throat> even Lou Will, at some point, he wanted an MVP, and he was trying to figure out why he wasn't in that conversation. But then he got reminded that he's a six man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Lou Will is super skilled. So that's what we have about six men. That's our take on six men. So uh, do you want to – so we're going to do all-time. We have we both have five all-time role players. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I think you'll lead it off, and then I'll just kind of just piggyback off you. Go ahead. Okay. My first one, Antoine Walker. I okay. would have never have thought about Antoine Walker as one of these options until I watch the Miami Heat team with Dwayne Wade and Shaq win the NBA Finals. And I watched the uh, an NBA.com has those those games you can watch them. So I I uh, what you realize when you watch them play very quickly is that. You have Shaq inside. You have Dwayne Wade, who's not a shooter at that point in time. You have Jay Will and Gary Payton, who can't shoot. So it's like literally only Antoine Walker shooting threes, okay? The defense collapses, and Antoine Walker's hitting the three. Antoine Walker is a great, nice little point forward game. Okay, Jay Will, when Jay Will's... As a secondary ball handler, Antoine Walker is that role. I mean, coming off of screens, distracting the offense from Dwayne Wade. I mean, there is no Dwayne Wade championship without the role that Antoine Walker played into that winning that ring. That's what I had to say about Antoine Walker. That's why I have him on this list. There literally is that, no ring. That last point you made sums up our entire conversation today. Playing a role leads to winning basketball. When you yes. can play your role to the perfection, just like he was saying, there's no shooting on that team but Antoine Walker. He knew his role. Yes. He knew his role. He knew that if the time came and it was in a clutch situation and he was basketball, he knew what he had to do. Yes. He had to be ready for any shot that came his way. Exactly. That was his job. All right. Who is your uh, your first of the all-time list? I want to go with off the all-time list. It's kind of funny. We have Rondo on our all-time list, <laughs> but he's a current NBA player. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's, yeah. he's, well, I, I think of Boston Celtics, Rondo. Okay. Okay. I'll give you that. Um, I want to go with Defensive Player of the Year, Joe Kim Noah. All right. Talk to me. Joe Kim Noah was a defensive anchor on those Chicago Bulls teams. Mm-hmm. Yes. Derrick Rose was the star. Mm-hmm. De facto star of that team. He led that team no matter what. But defense wins games, and Joe Kim Noah understood that. He may not have been the greatest of scores. Mm-hmm. He did drop 30, 23 points one night, which is fine and all. But he's known for the things that don't show up on the stat sheet. Yes. He's the hustle guy. He's the guy who's going to go, oh, yell in your face. <laughs> yes. And grab rebounds and talk his shit. Mm-hmm. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> so true. And that's what's, And if that's winning basketball, 
that's winning basketball. He played his role. He knew what his role was. His role isn't to take a three. His role isn't to hit a mid-range shot because he can't shoot. Yes. His role was to be the dirty player. He was to be the bad boys Pistons in one player. That was his role. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with that. And it's like a mental warfare, warfare thing with Joe Kim Noah. Like, it's just you better be ready to listen to talk him talk all night or he's just going to make you feel terrible about yourself. All night. <laughs> and that's the thing. A lot of people don't they be like, oh, it's just it's a scoring game. It's a defensive game. But it's also a mental game. Yes. If you can defensively and mentally beat your, beat your opponent, you have won the game. Exactly. Completely agree. Truly and completely. All right. <clears throat> I will roll into the my next all-time great role player. Somebody that if we don't mention, we probably will never get listened to again because he might be one of the great the greatest role player of all time or he's, he's got to be up there. Dennis Rodman. Mm, okay. Jeez. Okay. I mean, when you have great greatness in Michael Jordan, Scoring the basketball. It makes up for... <laughs> Make it up the first round. <laughs> I'm sorry, what'd you say, Chris? Couldn't make it up the first round. <clears throat> Damn it. Gotta drink some water. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can get away with not having much of an offensively talented player like Dennis Rob. And... It makes him more valuable because he does so many little things. All right. What little things does Dennis Rodman do? It's more of a question of what little things Dennis Rodman does not do. (laughs) (laughs) The guy guards one through five. He's ridiculously gifted athletically. Runs the court as a, uh, in the fast break. I mean, the guy is, I, Him athletically, if he ever had some offensive talent, the guy would have been ridiculous, okay, with Mm. that athletic build. But, yeah, it's just defensively, he's insane, Chris. Insane. It's like he is the answer to, like, when people do the all-time debates and, like, could the Bulls beat the Warriors and you have to switch? Well, Dennis Rodman's going to be, like, insane switching defense, like, He's ridiculous. And then we haven't even talked about his rebounding. The guy dominated the game of basketball through rebounding. His rebounding... Because he couldn't score. <laughs> his rebounding was so amazing that he made such a great impact on the game. Like, nobody can do that now. It's it's just ridiculous. I mean, the game was different then. The, more possessions counted. It was a... They weren't as offensively skilled as teams are now. But it's just, he's insane. I mean, we talk about leading the winning basketball. I mean, Dennis Rodman has, like, what, five rings? I mean, we, I haven't even talked about him being an integral defensive part in the Detroit Bad Boy Pistons. Like, For sure. I, he's just winning basketball. He does so many little things, dives for every loose ball, he takes the load off the star players, and he's just, he's hes such a force. It's ridiculous watching him play basketball, man. It's its its a fun thing to watch. 
he has his own energy and his own vibe and his he he's, doesn't take shit from anybody he'll like fight anybody on site it's like kevin Dur- kevin garnett kind of energy right so it's just yeah. i i feel like we should get never be allowed to talk about basketball again if we don't talk about Dennis Rodman as like one of the greatest role players of all time because the guy's ridiculous. Alright, what do you what do you have to say, Chris? I would agree completely. Dennis Rodman is one of the greatest role players of all time. And for every reason that you said, I mean he's just insane. Like I think of him and I hate to use his word, but I think of him as a defensive psychopath because yes. of how locked in he is on defense with everything. It's not any it's not any loose ball that he's not going to yes. like he's not afraid like when I say it about Joe Kim Noah, like he's not afraid Dennis Rodman is not afraid <laughs> to get dirty at all. That's why he was on the Bad Boy Pistons. He was the perfect player for that team. Yes. Because of their rough rider, the rough rider mentality they had, he's perfect for that. Mm-hmm. He's down for whatever. Yes, completely agree. I mean, defensive identity, he just does so much. All right, what's your what's your next guy? All time. Let's see. All time. I want to say Ben Wallace. All right, go for it. Let me see. Hopefully I can do him justice. I know he has won multiple defensive player of the years, and then... I know I keep choosing these players who like aren't really offensively sound, but he made such an impact yes. defensively. Yes. Think of it this way. <clears throat> ben Wallace has been on the pist- was on the Pistons, right? Yes. He his Defensive identity and defensive ability on the court allowed, I mean, freed, took the load off of the other players on the court. There would be no Mr. Big Shot, Chauncey Billup, if there wasn't for Ben Wallace. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, in my opinion, the most offensively skilled guy on those teams were, was Rasheed Wallace. Rasheed Wallace is like 6'11". And if he would have had to guard the centers every night, a.k.a. Shaq every night, he wouldn't have been able to give up so much energy to the offense event. So Ben Wallace was key. Then you have like Rip Hamilton, who's like the greatest mid-range shooter of all time. <laughs> like, he was so ridiculous off of those screens. It's crazy to watch people run off-ball screens for a mid-range shot. I think, I think Daryl Morey would shoot himself if he watched one of his teams run an off-ball screen <laughs> for a mid-range shot. <laughs> Yeah, Ben Wallace just. Have you ever like? Have you ever watched one of the old Detroit Pistons games? Yeah, yeah. And you just see how, like, okay, so in the I watched the finals game, like the finals, um, the Detroit Pistons versus the Lakers. Yeah, and it was just so many back and forths without people scoring Mm -hmm. because who who like. How are you like you're not getting over Ben Wallace, you're not getting over Shaq. Yes. <laughs> it is so weird that a guy that small can guard Shaq. Like I don't think anybody in the NBA history other than Ben Wallace can be at that size and guard Shaq. It's ridiculous. It's because of how strong he is. Like even though he's small, he's strong. Ridiculously he's ridiculously strong. strong. Ridiculously strong. Cuz how else do you 
are you able to be that effective and you can't score? Like, yeah, he was catching, he caught a couple of loves. I mean, like, he get down in the post, but his, his, his defensive identity is what earned him his spot. Yes. It's just. Like I said, players like that aren't looking, they're not looking, the teams aren't looking for you to hit a mid range shot. They're not looking for you to hit a three. They have you for one reason for your rough rider, your hardcore, your defensive mentality. Yes, completely agree. There's no Detroit Pistons rinks without Ben Wallace. For sure, because they were a defensive team. Yeah, exactly. Anchored by Ben Wallace. All right, I'm going to head on to my next guy in the list, Mr. Bruce Bowen. Bruce Bowen is the small forward on the San Antonio Spurs, has multiple rings, and I'm going to describe why I have him on this list. So let's say that you are building a team financially and you have Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili on the team. And obviously you have the unique scoring ability of Manu Ginobili. You have the passing and driving ability of Tony Parker. And you obviously have all the greatness that is Tim Duncan. Having yes. one of the greatest 3 and D wings at just specifically at being a 3 and D wing was critical for them. I mean, this is the guy that was always guarding Kobe. They it was always guarding Kobe. Like he is the corner shooter that was leading them to championships in the background as a role player. And uh, I'm not surprised that Greg Popovich utilized him this way because Greg Popovich is the greatest head coach of all time, in my opinion. He's just, he's such a conduit to winning basketball. You know what I mean? He leads to it so much, and it's just, man, Bruce Bowen's really special. I, uh, I'm i definitely glad I brought him up because he's, it just he does his job well, and he leads to winning basketball. What do you have, Chris? I disagree. I honestly disagree. Yes. You summed it up perfectly. It's nothing for me to say. All right. Who do you have next? Oh. Who do I have next? Let's go with Derek Fisher. Nice. All right, go ahead. Derek Fisher is kind of weird, okay? Because give me one second. Let me pull up my notes real quick. Uh, here we go. Okay, Derek Fisher, and I, I, this is a this is a very weird stat that not many people will, will like. You probably just didn't know this. Mm-hmm. Derek Fisher, if you look on NBA.com again, is an eight point three point per game score. Eight point three. Not saying that he's on the defensive and on the offensive level as like a Lou Williams or a Monty no way. Or a Jamal Crawford. No, 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 no. But the fact of 
the matter is that he was on these championship Laker teams. Yes. And he his all time he's all time his his <laughs> the person who he played alongside was one of the greatest players of all time. Mm-hmm. And his only job was if the ball came to you, or if you need, or if we needed you to guard that, the if you need, we needed you to guard the opposite, the other team's guard, you locked them down. That was his only job. Yes, his only job, and that led to winning basketball. Think of this for a second. Kobe is one of the greatest players of all time, and I will continuously say this. I I agree with that wholeheartedly. Michael Jordan at one time. Trusted somebody else to take a shot at the end of, at the final buzzer. Mm-hmm. Kobe did the same. That person's name is Derek Fisher. Mm-hmm. This led him to what was it? What, didn't he win like the Western Conference Finals with that bank shot? Yeah, it was against the Spurs, the Tim Duncan Spurs. Against the Tim Duncan Spurs, without Derek Fisher being ready to hit that shot, to play that role, to play that defensive role, there would be no. <clears throat> Kobe wouldn't have as many rings as he has. Yeah, I think when you think about team construction of... I'll do this in two parts really quickly. You have Shaq and Kobe. You don't want a point guard that is what a current point guard usually does, which is, you know, Damon Lillard, Steph Curry, Trey Young, and De'Aaron Fox. These guys are looking to score and pass at the same time. Like, Derek Fisher is looking to get the team set up. He's looking to make the right pass. He's going to be... A high basketball IQ guy is going to cut off screens. He's going to make sure that he gets everybody else involved. He's going to not ask to do anything more than that. And he's going to space when he needs the space for the three-point shooting while also providing a good defensive presence. Like, he's exactly what that team needs. And then you go to Kobe winning those rings with Pau Gasol, Lamar Odom, Andrew Bynum. Uh, we don't need a scoring point guard. We have a bunch of guys that score in the post in the mid-range. We need a guy that can facilitate all that, be a high basketball IQ guy, be a high IQ as a cutter, and you know shoot when need needed at the, the three-point shot and be a good spacing and play defense. It's just it contributes to winning basketball. Perfect fit. Just what a role player is. Yes. Just anything anything that you do on the court that contributes to winning basketball, that's what a role player is. Like you were saying before, with that team, if you have all these offensive threats on there, you just need somebody who's going to... You need you need a Chris Paul-like player. Mm-hmm. You need somebody who's just going to... Who's going to captain the... Who's going to captain the team. Who's going to just step into that point guard role and control the floor, control the pace. Yes. Pass the ball hit a shot when they need to, but more importantly, just get the ball to the star. Yes. That was his job. Yes. Chris Paul is a star, so he already he always has the ball in his hand, but in Derek Fisher's <clears throat> case, he wasn't the star of the team. He was a role player. His job was to get the ball to Shaq, get the ball to Kobe. Yeah, I completely agree with that sentiment. I'm glad you brought him up. All right. The next one of Jason Choices. Now this I'm is listening. this is one that I don't I feel like not many people understand this. Bill Lambeer. Okay, I'm listening. Alright, when you think of Bill Lambeer, what do you think of? Rough and tough. <laughs> yes. Bad boys pistons. Right. So he is the leader of 
clotheslines, <laughs> punching, <laughs> maybe an elbow here and there, and by here and there, I mean about every three seconds. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's going to have a defensive identity. He's going to set the tone for those Detroit Piston teams. But this is this is this is when he's before his time. All right. What does current NBA teams why do they usually like their bigs to shoot for three? Because it helps space the floor. It it get, it pulls the other big out to allow the littler guys to get in. Because they have to defend. Was there a great little guy on the Detroit Pistons? Yes, yeah, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas can get in the lane and finish, right? Of course. Easy. Right? They had another, the the second best player in the team is Joe Dumars. He's a little guy, right? He needs space to finish on the rim, right? True. Bill Lambeer is not what you think when you think of 90s center. Bill Lambeer could shoot the three. Bill Lambeer was a before-his-time Three-point shooting, spacing, center. How, that's how, I mean, honestly, when you think about it, if he had, if Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars had a back-to-the-basket center, that that was the way they scored, it would have been really hard on them getting to the basket and finishing. So, Bill Ambeer was really vital for that team winning championships and I really, I really don't think people understand this, but he really was before his time with his ability to shoot as a center. All right, because him shooting spaces the floor and unclogs the lane. Because, like you were saying before, if there's a back to basket center, then you're clogging the lane. Unless you have like a superstar center down there who you could just you feed the ball through who the offense goes through like a shot. Mm-hmm. That's different. But you didn't have that. Yes, completely agree. All right, let's see who Christopher Muhammad has next. All time. <clears throat> I've said four guys. It looks like you have said three. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, shoot. I forgot, are we doing Manu, or was he just included already? Uh, I think you, uh, yeah, we already included him, so I guess you can, well, I don't think you've done Rondo yet. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Rondo, Rajon Rondo, number nine, a central role player, but in my opinion, he's a star. Ooh, okay. Talk about it. I would say he's a star because if you look at... Okay, we don't have to go back that far to the Celtics. We can go to last year to the Lakers team. Mm -hmm. The IQ of Rondo, when Rondo was on the floor, they became a better team. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Automatically a better team. Automatically. Like, he had that championship mindset. He he was his IQ was so high he could he knew the right plays the right passes to make the when to take a shot when not to take a shot and then how to get the players involved and then you also have LeBron with his 
outrageous mind next to him as well. That's two great minds on a team. Like I said before earlier, it's a mental game, not just getting in your opponent's head, but it's a mental game thinking 10 plays ahead. It's chess, not checkers. And Rondo played chess on the court. I mean, he is a part of one of the coolest upsets I've ever seen and another one that's was an almost upset before he got hurt. One of the coolest ones I've ever seen is the New Orleans Pelicans beating Damian Lillard and Rondo was leading that team at point guard. He completely think about that. He completely elevated the Nor the uh Anthony Davis and it just that team does not win that playoff series without Rondo. And then a crazy sad injury for him was when they had Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade on that Bulls team. And they were the They almost beat the Celtics. Yes, they were the eighth seed and they almost beat Isaiah Thomas's Celtics. Like it was oh, they totally had uh, they would have beaten them. For sure they would have beaten them. Yeah. And then you It was a thumb injury. Yes. And then I I love the Boston Celtics version Rondo. I mean, the passing was definitely needed with you know, needing to get Kevin Garnett and Ray on the ball. And he was just another dynamic that made that team unstoppable offensively. And he could score. Yes, when he was younger, he really could score. Like, the reason why we do the, you know, where you hold the ball and you, like, cuff it and, like, kind of put it behind your back yes. and then lay it up, that's called the Rondo for a reason. Yes. That's why I say he doesn't deserve to be on this list because he's a role player, but he's a star role player. Like, he's an all-star for a reason. Yes. Because he's 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 a star. He could lead a team. We have seen him do it. Yes. He his role is funny because we don't have many players on here who matches this, but his role his role is to lead. Yes. That's his role. That's his role. His role is to lead the team. Exactly. That's his role. Exactly. We, like I said, that's his role. That's what Rondo does. Rondo is the leadership guy. He's the guy. Who put who captains the team, who gets the team together, who makes the plays, the right plays, and who just leads the team. He leads the team to the promised land. We're gonna see it again with those clippers. It's gonna be nice to watch. I don't want to talk about the clippers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll uh I'll get into my fifth guy. My fifth guy is two guys. Now that might be a little bit of cheating, and I can understand that. And if you wanna say no, that's okay. I am no, I'm pairing Vernon Maxwell with Kenny Smith. The reason why I'm pairing Vernon Maxwell with Ken, Kenny Smith is because a team led by Robert Ory, Kenny Smith, Vernon Maxwell, and Akeem Olajuwon won the NBA championship. They won it back-to-back years. Now, the second year they did have Clyde Drexler, but I'm going to focus on the first year here. You compare the names I just said, there is not a second star on that team at all. Those those two guys are not even borderline all-stars. They're not even on that level as scores. And then you view it in like, oh my goodness, they beat the Utah Jazz, Carl Malone, John Stockton. I can't think of I can never think of their third best player. Uh but then you have uh, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp in the West 2 at that point in time. Like, those teams, the fact that I know Hakeem Olajuwon is phenomenal, 
but they were before their time at the guards position being such threats from three. They ran an offense that was so spaced out, it honestly does resemble a lot of a current game, a modern NBA game with the guards. And it's just, there's no Houston Rockets championships without these two guys. They provided very similar things. Ferno Maxwell is a little more of a defender, but it's just, it was really a little bit before their time. I know I just said that, but I'm going to say it again. And it's just, uh, they both led the winning basketball. What do you think, Chris? Yeah. They're, um... <clears throat> I w- my mind was elsewhere. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, so you're talking about Kenny, right? Kenny and uh, Vernon Maxwell, yes. On the championship, Hakeem Olajuwon. Yep. Team? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so the best player is Hakeem Olajuwon. So in that sense, when you have a center like that, well, a center, a center like that who can score as well, your job is to give him the ball for one. But then you also have to give, create that, I mean, give that shoot, shooting dynamic around him as well. Mm-hmm. To space the floor to give him more to give him more you don't need you don't need <clears throat> you don't need Russell Westbrook types who's going to run down the lane that, that that defeats the purpose of having a center down there who's going to score like that yes you need people who's going to space the floor who's going to open the game up and allow him to work and then kick and if he has to and in the space and I'm sorry my thoughts are getting all over the place um to kick <laughs> to space the floor so that he can go to work down low mm-hmm. that's his game Hakeem's life one's game is to work down low. He just needs shooters. He needs the Kenny, the Jet Smiths. He needs the Brandon Maxwell's people who can space, who can space, and who can get the ball to him when he, when he, get the ball to him so that he can be effective. Yes. Why can't I talk right now? <laughs> All right. So, do you have your uh, fifth guy, Pat Riley? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Let's hear it. Championship, Pat Riley, nineteen seventy-two Lakers, small forward, shooting guard. All right. He played the role of a six man on a 1971 and 1972 Lakers team, mm-hmm. and they had a 33 game winning streak. Ridiculous! That is ridiculous. So when you think Pat Riley, you think of like, oh, he's the owner, da, 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 da. but he used to be a key role player in these games. I mean, in the winning championship games that are the Lakers games. Mm-hmm. He scored. He played defense. Kinda. <laughs> he did. He did the little things that lead to winning. <clears throat> the little things that lead to winning. As a role player, that's what you have to do. Yes. I know. I keep reiterating this. I feel like I'm retweeting myself a lot, but that's essentially what a role player is. When we think about this list, every player on this list slides into a role, and they play their role so well that it leads to winning basketball. Yeah. So I'm gonna re- mention the uh, honorable mentions that we had. So that if you didn't hear a guy, at least we know we were thinking about him. We had Ron Harper on the list, Lamar Odom, Michael Cooper, Tony Allen, Danny Ainge, Shane Battier, Tony Kukoc, John Havlicek, and Maurice Cheeks. Those are the honorable mentions. Can we can we do Mike Miller as a rope? Oh yeah, add whoever you want it. Yeah, Mike Miller. Yeah, dude, strapped. Mike and Jason Terry. Oof. You mean Mr. Getting Dunked On, Jason Terry? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he helped the the Dallas Mavericks win their 2011 championship, okay? Yeah. 
And he helped he was that. with posters all around America being cool. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That was revenge. Yeah. <laughs> that was revenge. That's so true. <clears throat> all right, we can uh, shift gears here to current players. We're going to both name off five guys from the current NBA. I will start and... I will talk about Brooke Lopez. I like that pick. All right. Do you know any uh, people that are Giannis Antetokounmpo haters that I could talk to right now? Oh, for sure. Me, <laughs> me, 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 me. Oh, me, me, oh, me, me, Christopher me, Muhammad me. right here. All right. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Chris, what's wrong with Giannis? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's say you have Giannis on the Kumpo. What do you think is important to allowing him to run and jump and dunk freely like he wants? You have to space the floor. You you can't clog the lane. You have to have the floor the floor space so that you create outside threats so that he can easily just run and jump and dunk. Yes, exactly. I mean, the guy literally, uh, this is the first time, we've talked about this so many times. The guy averaged 14.8 points a game in Greece against random European countries that have nobody in the NBA. That's how reliant... your king? <laughs> that's how reliant on athleticism and run and jump and dunk he is. Could you imagine James Harden... James Harden's probably thinking, how in the world is this guy who's averaging less than 15 points a game in Greece winning MVPs over me? How stupid is everybody that watches basketball? James Harden (laughs) could literally hit one-legged fadeaways, step-back threes, and just score more points than Giannis Antetokounmpo. James Harden could literally be going at 70%. And drop fifty at night in Greece. Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Kobe Bryant would take fifty shots and make forty of them in Greece. Could you imagine Michael Jordan with the mentality as I'm going to score as many? He would have averaged fifty in Greece. Like honestly, it's just this. This Giannis Antetokounmpo is flawed. That's that's yes, that's very flawed. That's the point here and. Brooke Lopez, what I love about Brooke Lopez is that when he was on the Nets, he was a phenomenal post scorer. He used to always be the best player on those Nets teams. And then you just see him progress now into a phenomenal three-point shooter who also plays the role that they want defensively from their centers to be really good shot blockers. Because they like forcing people to the middle because they have Giannis and Brooke Lopez. I mean, you want to force everybody to the basket, too, when you have those two guys. I mean, he's just so key to winning basketball. He might be top three best three-point shooting centers in the league. He's just he's ridiculous, and it is, he's such a great fit to winning basketball. And that's why I want to talk about Brooke Lopez. And I completely agree, and I think that we should keep this Milwaukee train running with the Drew Holiday. 
Nice. He just signed it. He just signed an extension. Nice. He just signed an extension. So that was the perfect like lead into that. Drew Holiday is one of my favorite players just because he's a player's player. Exactly. He's such a great chemistry guy. Yes. Period. Just great. Like he comes to the locker room and people are just like, oh, it's a breath of fresh air <laughs> because he they they know that he's not going to start any mess. Mm-hmm. He's going to just play his role, which is to be the point guard. He's not going to score that many. He may or may not, but he's just going to just lead that team. That's what his job is to do. His job is to lead that team. Like, yes, Giannis is the de facto leader because he's the star. He's going to run, jump, dunk. Ah, <laughs> Brooke Lopez is going to hit his shots. Chris Middleton is going to hit his shots. But without a Drew Holiday on that team, that chemistry is destroyed because we've seen other point guards go on that team, and they haven't really been able to create the environment that Drew Holiday creates on that Milwaukee Bucks team. Yeah, and Drew Hall. you know I've talked about this before, Drew Holiday is the best guard defender in the league. Say it again. Drew Holiday is the best guard defender in the league. Yes, sir. And he is a unique player in the sense of he does better when he's the secondary ball handler, and which fits perfectly mm. with Giannis. I mean, he's he's just a really good – he can score as like a third option and be reliable, and it's just a perfect fit, and I'm so glad that we both love Drew Holiday so much. He's a player. Look, he's just the great. He's like the greatest. He's like the. I don't know. Like, I don't want to say he's the greatest player, but he's like the greatest player's player. He's. Let's just put it that he's way. He's the greatest player that people don't think is good. Is like average. Yeah. He's. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Summed it up. That's what Drew Holiday is. Yes. <clears throat> All right. So this is a good segue to a former Bucks player. One of my choices, oh. Malcolm Brogdon. Okay, I'm listening. So, Malcolm Brogdon is one of these players that fits the modern NBA so perfectly. If you need Malcolm Brogdon to make decisions, to be a little pick-and-roll guy, to have the ball in his hands and just be a good passer, Malcolm Brogdon can do that. If you need a guy that can space the floor and be a phenomenal shooter and being a highly efficient player, Malcolm Brogdon can do that. He's also a phenomenal defender. Now, Malcolm Brogdon is not a great one-on-one scorer. But the way that a lot of NBA teams are built now is usually around one guy that penetrates to the basket. I'm thinking LeBron James. I'm thinking Giannis. I'm thinking Ben Simmons. I'm thinking, I mean, even Jokic will like bring the ball up and need people to pass to. And I just, he's one of those guys that fits so perfectly on the teams that usually have winning teams because they're built around a phenomenal talent like a LeBron and Giannis. And it's just, I really. I really love the way he plays, and I really feel like he is a great role player. And I wouldn't be surprised after the stint in Indiana that he's eventually going to be somewhere that he's going to fit perfectly. Like, honestly, right now, I feel like Dallas Mavericks, he'd be perfect. Like, he, yeah. he'd guard the one. He Luka, can, he'll be the secondary ball handler. Like, I, there's so many teams like that that a run through a bigger guard, bigger guy with guard skills. Like, 
like a James Harden. He'd be perfect with a James Harden. Like he's just that kind of guy. Uh, uh, they got enough over there. Don't need nothing else. <laughs> they don't need nothing else. <clears throat> if we if we don't get Curry, we need Malcolm Brogdon <laughs> and the Lakers. So yes. All right, who's your uh, your next choice, Christopher Muhammad? Oh, it's my whole government out there. Okay, hold on. <laughs> uh, hold on. I always gotta pull up the list. The list always closes on me. Checking this. Gonna find out if Chris has been naughty on this. I want to go with Jay Crowder right now. Go for it. Jay Crowder is one of those essential 3 and D guys. Whatever team he goes on, you automatically see what he does best. Exactly. When he was with the... Celtics. When he's... Wait, I mean... Celtics. When he's with the Celtics. I keep He's been on so many different teams, <laughs> but you automatically see exactly what he's good at. When he was on those Celtics teams, you saw him go to the corner, grab, get the ball, shoot the three. He's going to continuously shoot that three. That's all he's going to do. He's going to shoot that three, shoot that three, shoot that three, shoot that three. And he's also going to guard. And he's going to guard at a high level. Yes. But he's going to shoot that three and shoot that three and shoot it. Shoot the three until the, until the scenes come off the ball. But he's going to shoot the three. He's an essential 3 and D guys. And those essential 3 and D guys in this modern NBA are very crucial to winning basketball. Because the modern NBA, the entire game is based off spacing the floor. Yes. Completely it's agree. based off the driving kick. That's why you see it so much now. It's based off the driving kick and guys who can knock that three down. You have a guy that can knock that three down at a high clip or maybe even a couple of games. It doesn't have to be consistently. It has to be a couple of games that makes him a threat that opens up the lane for the LeBron Jameses, for the, the slashers of the league to easily penetrate. Those guys are winning basketball in the modern NBA. Yeah, I... And that's what Drake Crowder is. Jake Crowder is a winning basketball player in the in the NBA because yeah. he plays winning basketball for the modern NBA. May not for the old 90s, but for the modern NBA, he plays winning basketball because he's going to get the ball, he's going to shoot, and he's going to play defense at a high level. Yeah, I completely agree, and I'm glad that we're talking about 3D guys because it transitions seamlessly into my next guy, which is Robert Cummington, which is another one of those guys. I mean... He's long, lanky. He's going to hit that corner three. He's not going to try to do anything else out of his role. I mean, when you have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, I mean, geez, you don't need a small forward that can score and get a basket on his own. Like, you need somebody that's going to play off the ball. He just leads to winning basketball. So does a guy like a Jay Crowder. I mean... The last time the 76ers were good, he was on that, that team. By good, I mean they made they were really making a big playoff push when they had J.J. Redick and Covington and Jimmy Butler. I think they were on the same team at the same time. I might be messing up on that, but... They, they were. They were. Okay, yeah. I believe so, yeah. And then, yeah, a little bit of a... No, did he play for... Yeah, he played for the Rockets, too, and the Timberwolves. Oh, yeah, he might have been playing for the Rockets during the Jimmy Butler time um, with the 76ers. Yeah, I think you're right. And he's just a winning basketball player, and I I love that kind of guy. So, yeah, who do you have next, Christopher Mom? I just want to start by saying that for an honorable mention that we forgot to include, 
we need to include JJ Reddick, and that's all I want to say for an honorable mention. If he's not going to put on this list as either past or present, he should be, like yeah, he was a leader in, in college, but he's an essential role player. Not he may not play incredible defense, but you know what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Any team he goes to, you know what he's going to do. Screen. He's coming off. He's taking that shot every time. That's what he's there for. That's what he's paid money for is to take that three because he's going to make it consistently. Yeah. I love J.J. Redick. The man that made me love him, fall in love with Duke basketball. <clears throat> that Duke team was crazy. Yeah. All right. Who you got? I, I'm, um, I'm going to go with another 3 and D guy. And since we're talking about the Rockets, you can't talk about the Rockets without talking about a James Harden. Without talking about uh, um, Eric Gordon, you can't talk about the Rockets without talking about P.J. Tucker. Mm-hmm. That's my real player. P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker is one of those essential 3 and D guys. Yes. Like, every single game. And he shoots from the same spot. So you have to <laughs> think in your head, like, how many times has he practiced that shot on either side of the court? Because he shoots from the exact same spot every time, never fails. He doesn't move. He's literally the the essential role player. He runs to his spot, <laughs> grabs the ball, and shoots. That's it. Yes. He runs to his spot, and James Harden know where he's going to be at when he was on the Rockets team. They know where he's going to be at. Mm-hmm. Where's Peter Tucker? He's in the corner. That's what, he's a corner three point shooter. That's what he's going to do. He's going to play defense. He may be a little bit undersized to be playing defense with some of the taller guys of the NBA, but he's he can be tenacious. And he can get, he can drive for those loop balls, and he's going to make those shots majority of the time. And that's what makes him a central role player for those Rockets team. Like to have a guy who knows his role, and that's very, 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 very important because a lot of guys don't know their role. They think they're a star, but no. Peter Tucker knows his role. He knows run to the corner, shoot three, go back, play defense. Yeah, that's his. That's all he does. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm glad that you brought him up. All right. <laughs> Here comes another one of your favorite life joys in life. I need you to tell me the deficiencies of Ben Simmons. Oh my god, <laughs> I've been waiting for this so much. This this puts a big smile on my face. I'm not a Ben Simmons hater, by the way. <laughs> but that man can't shoot at all. Like to save his life. Like I, I was watching like his like you know how they have like the um if you go on like YouTube or if you go on Instagram and you see like, oh, you see like his training videos, he's like, oh my God, Ben Simmons is shooting threes. He's gonna come into the league shooting threes this season, and then he bricks layups. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's all you're good at and you can't shoot from 15 feet from the rim, and you have to be right under the basket, if you can't make a layup, then you're not effective on the court anymore. Yeah, because what are you there for? You're basically just running around and fouling. So, would you say the flaws in Ben Simmons' pick-and-roll and the ability to be a threat of a shooter off the pick-and-roll? Right, because he gets in the pick-and-roll, and what he can do, he they can leave him open. You can only throw it to Joel Embiid or to uh, uh, Tobias Harris or to somebody like that, because you can't shoot. You refuse. It's not that you can't shoot. You, you refuse to shoot. I've never... You refuse <laughs> to shoot. Like, how in the modern NBA, where the game is ruled by Steph Curry? Because, like, he changed the entire game. Because he changed the entire game. The entire game, because he was an undersized guard 
who could shoot from long range, so you had to guard him at half court. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the entire Golden State Warriors team is running around you the entire time. Him and I mean, Curry is coming up. I mean, Steph, I mean, Clay, fuck, I can't talk. Clay's coming off screens, and you have Curry running around the entire time. He changed the game of basketball. How are you a guard? Point forward. No, not even a guard. A point forward who plays point guard. How can you not shoot? You have to. You can't refuse to shoot in the modern NBA. You have to be willing to take these shots because that's the only way you're going to be effective. Because your game is drive, kick, drive, kick, drive, kick. Uh, uh, it's almost like we've talked about these guys. You introed somebody with the right last name. <laughs> <laughs> My guy is Seth Curry. All right, for a long time now. Steph Curry, Steph Curry has been the off-ball shooter. He was that guy for the Portland Trailblazers. He was that guy for the Dallas Mavericks. And obviously he's phenomenal. That great floor spacer. He's, he's one of the best shooters in the league. But there has been some development with Steph Curry. And by that, he is running the pick and roll. And he is a shooting threat. Off the pick and roll. It's almost like he has a brother that revolutionized the game of basketball by shooting three point shot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is is really impressive. And that for that Philadelphia 76ers offense, like Christopher knows, Ben Simmons is not a threat at all with the ball in his hands as a shooter. He cannot run a pick and roll with Ben Simmons. I mean, uh, Joel Embiid and create the pressure that the f- the defender needs to come up and go over screens to try to cover Seth Curry. You know what I mean? He creates that dynamic that makes that pick and roll better. And it's just, it adds another dynamic of the offense that the Philadelphia 76ers were not having. They just had Danny Green or another 3 and D guy. They wouldn't have that ability to run a pick and roll with, with the ball handler that can be a threat and shoot off the dribble like that. And I just, it's its really uh, a huge role player for the Philadelphia 76ers. It's what I'm getting at. And I was looking forward to this, and I know you always enjoy talking badly about Ben Simmons. Of course. <laughs> I mean, how are you a star, but you refuse to shoot the ball? Like, <laughs> it's not that he can't. Like, literally, it's not that he can't because you've seen the videos. I've seen the videos where he shoots threes. And I'm like, wow, like, amazing. Like, he can shoot. Like, he's deciding to shoot. And then he just refuses to do it. He just, like, it's like his body is, it's like his mind is, like, shoot the three. His And then his body's like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go brick this layup. <laughs> and the reason why I'm talking about him breaking layups is not because he does it all the time. Because I recently watched a basketball game where he bricked every layup. And you saw how effective Steph, Cur- Seth Curry was on the floor because he was able to make shots. Yeah. Meanwhile, Ben Simmons is clanking. Cl- that's your star? Is that your star? He's clanking. I know you. everybody has an off night, but he's clanking. Clanking. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 get to your uh, your fourth guy. You have two guys left. I'm choosing the, I'm choosing the GOAT, Alex Caruso. Nice. All right. Let's get to it. Let's see what you have. Alex, Car- Alex Caruso is a phenomenal role player. Yeah. And especially for that Lakers team. Mm-hmm. He made that Lakers team, along with Rondo, if you want to consider Rondo a role player, he made that Lakers team better. When he's on the floor, 
that team gets a new dynamic as well. Because he can play alongside LeBron and compliment him as well. Because he can shoot the three sometimes, and that kind of frees LeBron up. It's not a constant three. I mean, three point threat, but it's a consistent enough where it's like, okay, we need to respect him a little bit. And then he's also going to run down, and he's going to be that spark. He's going to be that spark off the bench. What is Alex Caruso known of? What known for? When you think Alex Caruso, what do you think of Jason? Basketball IQ, cutting, three point shooting, defense. Exactly, but what is but what gets everybody hyped up, and the reason why people are calling him the goat? Because he's surprisingly athletic. Surprisingly <laughs> athletic. Think of that for a second. You have a guy on the floor who plays his role correctly, and he can dunk on people as well. That's a spark off the bench. Yes. I'm not saying that just because he can dunk is like going to oh my god, where it's amazing. But no, the fact that he creates that spark when the team when the game is running slow. Mm-hmm. And they're trying. They're looking for a bucket. <clears throat> you put Alex Caruso in, and he doesn't even have to make the dunk. I remember one time he missed it, <clears throat> and it created a spark because everybody's like, "Oh my god! Like, look at this guy! He's flying through the air!" Yeah. Like, it's just when you have those energy guys on the court, it makes a big difference. Those guys who you know are going to run. Mm-hmm. Whoever they guarding them, you better have your track shoes on because we're running. We you go, we going up and down the court consistently. You better run with me. And. Him and LeBron have like one of the craziest, craziest like Jedi mind. Like they're, it's, it, I don't know what it is. Caruso cutting when LeBron James has the basketball. He's like scores eight points a night off of cutting, and I just, it's ridiculous how good he is with LeBron James. I don't know if they can just like think into each other's mind and just read each other's thoughts. I don't. I mean, LeBron, I, we all know he's the GOAT. Maybe he just, the reason why he's the GOAT is he's he's a Jedi and just can actually do that type of stuff. But, yeah, yeah I, it's it's really unique connection. He's a great role player that leads to winning basketball, like we said before. And uh, I'm glad you brought him up. For sure. He's one of those guys who you know is going to get in the game, give you high energy. He's going to take a screen or two. He's going to get a block that's going to spark the that's going to spark the team, spark the bench. And get everybody going and on the same page. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna get to my last role player. I'm listening. We introed this in our last podcast, the uh, mid-season temperature check, which you should check out. Draymond Green. Ooh, I like this. I like this. All right, what are we getting with Draymond Green? We're getting one of the greatest defensive players of all time. You're getting a perfect fit for switchable defense. You can guard one through five, unless it's like Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic. I'm talking the average center in the NBA who just stands there and gets rebounds and tries to do lobs. Like he's he's just he's the extremely high basketball IQ guy who's going to be fiery. I mean, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are not the fiery guys, so that team does need a guy with some edge that can create some toughness. He is the toughness of that team. And he's just For sure. he's going to dive on loose balls. He's going to yell at other people. He's going to he's going to be that mental force. He's going to try to get in your head. I mean, let's be honest here. Draymond Green is the reason why Kevin Love wasn't on the floor. Draymond Green was in Kevin Love's head. Draymond Green is just Kevin Love couldn't play against him. It's just He's 
he's just such a, a force defensively and such a force mentally and has such a high basketball IQ. He's one of the top 10 high basketball IQ guys in the league. And now we're only talking defensively. He's obviously a great sure. rebounder. I mean, we're, we, I was only just talking defensively. And now you're getting a guy that gets the rebound, and now he's pushing up the court. Oh, my goodness. We are scared to death. Uh, we have Clay Thompson and Steph Curry coming on the wings with a point forward who can make this pass. It's going to be either crazy or he's going to make this layup on you. He has the ability to post up a little bit, which when teams switch and create mismatches, he's going to post up guards and attack them all the time. And he offensively, the wash the not the Washington Warriors. I was about to say the Washington Warriors, the <laughs> Golden State Warriors, run an offense that is a lot of off-ball screens. That has to be run through a big that can pass. And there is no better passer in the NBA at the big, other than Nikola Jokic, than Draymond Green. He's a phenomenal fit for that role. He's a perfect player for that team. And he elevates Steph Curry and Klay Thompson in that right. And he's just such a threat. And he's always making the right cut off ball if somebody's helping too hard. If he's the pick and roll and they both... They decide to uh, trap Steph Curry's and cut to the basket. Like he's just really there mentally, and he's just a perfect fit on that team. And he's one of the greatest role players of all time. We would have had him on the list if he wasn't a current NBA player. And I really feel like he contributes to winning basketball. And I, uh, I'm glad we talked about him. He's definitely. If I can add anything. Draymond Green is definitely those one of those players who does the dirty work. Like mm-hmm. He just he does things that don't show up on the stat sheet. And then also, if we want to talk accolades real quick, just really quick, he did have a triple double of rebound, steals, and assists. I believe it was yeah. or something like that. Like he didn't even score any points. <laughs> he had a triple double off of rebounds, steals, and assists. Yes, and that just tells you the level of defensive intensity, the defensive mindset that he has mm-hmm. that created winning basketball. Defense wins games, and Draymond is a definite testament of that. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, who is the last man on Christopher Muhammad's list? I want to go with Marcus Smart. All right, go for it. I want to go with Marcus Smart as the as you know as number five on my list because once again he's one of those dirty rough rider defensive mentality players. Like you're not looking for him to score a bucket, even though he can score a little bit, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's but. He's the person who's going to get down there and take that charge every time. Oh every time. He's going to take that charge. He's going to he's going to do the James Harden flop and he's going to get those calls. He's going to do everything, but he's going to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to win the game. And he's going to put his body on the line for that team. He create he's the defensive anchor on that team even though he's not the biggest guy, but he's the defensive anchor on that team. He leads that defense. Because he creates that energy, he creates that spark, and he gets that team going. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. And he's just, he's been such a consistent force for the Boston Celtics for so long. And just, you can really trust him defensively. And he's not going to try to be anything more than he is in his role and try to score a bunch of points. Like, 
He's definitely committed to playing winning basketball. I feel like that's a common theme for all of these guys, is they all try to be winning basketball players. Like, they could all try to put up 50 shots. If they wanted to, they might not be good at it, but you know what I mean? There's some delusional guys in the NBA that do that and aren't a part of winning basketball. Right. That's the thing that sets these guys apart. Right, because they find out what they're good at and they just maximize their potential. Yes. These people are defensive-minded, or they're scorers, or they're 3 and D guys. Peter Tucker shoots from the same spot every night. You have to think in your head, like I said before, like how many times does he practice that shot? He knows what he's good at, and he doesn't try to do more than that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's not going to bring the ball up the court and try to fl- and try to let it fly from half court. He's not going to try to cross anybody up. He's going to run to the corner, and he's going to take the ball, and he's going to shoot it. He's going to play defense, just like if you want to look at Dennis Rodman. He knows what his role is. He knew his He knows his body is athletic. He knows it's built for defense. He's not that tall, but he's strong. He's going to grab the rebound. He's going to die for the loose ball. He's going to play tenacious defense. He knows how to maximize the potential, and that's the theme of all these players. All these players have not a limited skill set, but they have a skill set, and they know what they're good at, and they maximize the potential of their skill set. And that's what creates winning basketball. When you have role players, role players are players who have a skill mm-hmm. or, or a few skills, and they maximize their skills. They train their skills and they become the best at what they do. So I was, that's why we have defensive player of the year is becoming. Sorry, that's why we have defensive player of the year is becoming. Um, <clears throat> I mean, role player becoming defensive player of the year. So we have six men of the year because they are maximizing their potential on these teams. Go ahead. So I was trying to think of a guy. I'm about to call somebody out for the first time. I was thinking of a guy that represents somebody who was delusional and thought that he was a better player than he is and wanted to score more than he was a talent and tried to be more than his talent was. Guy that I think of when I think about that is Dion Waiters. Mm, Dion okay. Waiters was drafted by the Cavs and he was traded away by LeBron James because that guy could not play winning basketball. He wanted to take all the yeah. shots. He thought he was a better player than Kyrie Irving, and he wanted to <laughs> score as many points as Kyrie Irving. I mean, that guy, I, I feel so bad that I'm saying this about somebody, but it's just, that's that's the kind of guy that would be a great six man, a great bench guy like that. But he just wanted to be more and wanted to shoot over even when the starters are in and just be that guy all the time. And it's not leading to winning basketball. I feel bad that I'm talking about an individual person like that, but that's the best person I can think of. Yeah, for sure. He didn't know how to play his role. If he learned how to play his role, he could be playing winning basketball. Yes. All right. This is the end of the Basketball Addicts Podcast. We officially have an Instagram. It's crazy. Yeah, follow us at it. <laughs> follow us. Follow us. Please follow us at addicted to ba- at underscore addicted to basketball on Instagram. Yes. We are now getting listed on Spotify and a few other smaller websites. It's going to take a while for Apple Podcasts to approve of us, but this is our uh, second episode. We're going to be going into... 
the evolution of of basketball multi-part series throughout the next seven weeks through the NBA. Our ideas with that is that there's not going to be a bunch of stuff going on until the playoffs start coming rolling around and we'll be able to cover the the content and the things that are going on in the short news and notes section. So I'm sure you guys will be excited to listen to that Evolution of Basketball podcast that will be coming out soon uh, next week. All right. Here we go. My name is Jason Collins. I got one thing. Oh, what? what? I got okay, one go thing. I got it, one Chris. thing. I got go one thing. It. Also, I just want to say thank you guys so much for all the support. For all yeah. of the support. I know we just dropped our first episode last night. Yes. On to the... Um, Spotify. I mean, well, Saturday, Saturday night. Well, this is... We're recording Sunday, so... <laughs> Saturday night, we dropped it Saturday, last Saturday night, and it was our we within a few hours we had over ten downloads, and we're just so thankful and so grateful for you guys. Just keep supporting us. We're going up. More wins on the way. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, I like that. I like that. All right, we're gonna cut it here. My name is Jason Collins, and I'm Chris Muhammad, and we are the Basketball Addicts. Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.